0: Hey, boy! I look like I got electrocuted, don't I? How you doing, everyone? It is the fifteenth. It's the fifteenth of June already, twenty twenty. My name is Tom. This is episode one hundred and sixty of my live chat. I hope you're doing well. I know I am. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here after a week off. Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. So we have a lot to get to today. First, there's going to be a couple of changes here today. So first things first. Thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Of course, I will get this posted on uh, audio platforms tonight. But I want to say a couple things here to start. First of all, today's chat, the actual live chat uh, window on the YouTube page, is going to be for subscribers only. So here's the deal. If you want to participate in the chat, and I want you to participate in the chat, uh, you can take the poll that's up there right now asking about this Conor McGregor news, which which just broke. Like, it just broke. We're going to react to it here in just a second. But uh, subscriber only, so you got to get in there. You got to participate. Once you subscribe, it's only a one-minute wait before you can actively start posting in there. doesn't cost you anything. It's free. It's free. Easy easy to deal with, right? It's free. So uh, do that for me, if you would be so kind. Please, please, please. I would love to get your participation. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is, what I ordinarily do is I wait until about an hour is done before I get to the paid questions. I'm still going to do paid questions at the end, But if I'm talking about something and you want to react to it and ask me a question, we got folks watching on the live chat. We got folks there paying attention. Um, They'll pull the question out. We'll put it on the screen right away so you don't have to wait until the end. You can actually, um, you know, jump the line and everything else like that. So that's in your interests. Yeah. So a lot of things we're going to do a little bit differently here today. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Get those questions in. We'll pull out the best ones. We'll react to them in real time, and then we'll get to some of the paid ones at the end if you have them, and certainly under no obligation if you don't want to do that kind of thing. All right? Just leave, leaving that option there up for you. All right. So a lot to get to today. We've got a lot to react to. Let's get this party started, shall we? There you go. And one more time, the subscription here doesn't cost you anything. Click it, and then you can say whatever you want after that. All right? Yeah. How about that? Okay. And then take that poll. We'll get to the poll results at the end. Let me say one thing up front, if I may. Yeah. One thing up front. So we had to cancel last week's live chat um, very late, last minute and late notice because that day I had to put my dog of 16 years down. Um, Actually, I'd only had the dog for 13 years. The dog actually predated me in my 14 years. The dog actually predated me in my wife's life. Um, She was about the only thing in her life at this point here in America that um, predated me. So, dude, I'll answer any questions about that that you have. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. Um, I'll tell you everything that I went through and everything to expect and cost and what we did. I'll tell anyone out there what they want to know if they've got a question about it. If not, I'm happy to skip it, too. Uh, I could kind of joked on about it on MK because the dog had, you know, we had a cat that died a couple years ago, but it, it had cancer that metastasized very quickly. I mean, within a month, less than a month, it was dead. Like it was very quick and that was traumatic, but it was fast. This dog just declined over the course of like two years, slowly, slowly. And you get kind of trapped in a sense of like where they're at. And then uh, finally it developed some neurological problems at the beginning of uh, last week, and then the wednesday before late at night we got an immediate emergency vet visit and uh they were like yeah you need to euthanize her it's time so we did we we, we had to set up someone we, we didn't do it there i had someone come to the house and it was a whole thing but um it was it was way more difficult than i thought it was going to be and i didn't think it was going to be like a walk in the park but there was a couple of things that were tough tough really tough so Thanks to everyone who sent a, sent a note. Thanks to everyone who had some patience. Just appreciate all the kindness in every which way you were able to extend it. It really um, it meant a lot, actually. It did lift me a little bit. So um, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. With that in mind, uh, we got a poll up today. There are <laughs> some allegations around Conor McGregor. Let me just pull this thing up here if I can. Uh, TMZ was the first to report this, from what I can tell. So let's go to them on this if we can. The poll is regarding this. I'm going to pull up the uh, stream so you can see it here. Here it is. Conor McGregor uh, accused, I want to be very clear about that, accused of raping a woman at NBA Finals game. Of course, he denies the allegations. Let me read this to you as follows. Conor McGregor has been accused of raping a woman at Game 4 of the NBA Finals earlier this month. For folks who are wondering... Is this the same game where he is alleged or well not alleged, but like he punched the mascot as part of a big goof I and mean, it was all arranged, but then he like followed up with some ground and pound and then the mascot had to go to the hospital. Yes, this is the alleged uh, same. Well, this is supposed to have been the same night. Again, it's alleged that he has done this. It is not in any way. Proven according to demand letters authored by attorney Ariel Mitchell. I do not know who this person is. They were sent to McGregor, the NBA, and the in Miami Heat this week. The incident happened after the Nuggets won again, June 9th at the uh, venue there. McGregor played a blah, 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 blah. And then it goes, okay. But according to the letters obtained by TMZ Sports, at one point later on during the evening, he, quote, violently, and quote, sexually assaulted a woman inside of a men's bathroom. In the letters, Mitchell claims the NBA and Heat security helped separate the woman from her friend and then forced her into a restroom that McGregor and his security guard were already inside of. In the letters, Mitchell says, quote, security refused to let the woman exit or allow anyone else, including her friend, inside her inside the bathroom, end quote. The lawyer then claims McGregor emerged from inside a handicap stall, and quote, shoved his tongue in the victim's mouth aggressively and kissed her, end quote. According to the letters, the woman was able to get McGregor off of her by telling him she had to urinate, but then he allegedly forced her to have oral sex with him. McGregor, 34, is accused of grabbing the woman and putting her against the wall before attempting to uh, apparently sodomize her. Wow, all right, that's fun. Uh, Mitchell says in the letters, the woman was able to elbow McGregor repeatedly, which gave her a window to escape. However, she allegedly fled in such a hurry. She left her purse, which security guards held hostage until she pleaded with them for its return. Lastly, and I'll go back to the questions here. According to the letters, the woman finally got away from it all and went to report the, to the assault to local authorities on Sunday morning. Mitchell tells us an officer then encouraged the woman to seek out an attorney. In the letters, which were sent following the woman's meeting with cops, Mitchell said the woman is seeking settlements with the NBA, the Heat, and McGregor in lieu of litigation. Uh, Reps for McGregor, however, said in a statement that the allegations are false and, quote, Mr. McGregor will not be intimidated. UFC also says they're going to allow the legal process to play out before making any additional statements. I mean, you know, it's hard to really know what to say with all this. These are quite literally alleged to have happened. They are allegations. Now, she did go to the cops. I know a lot of times folks point situations where the uh, victim, the alleged victim, and in these cases like this, where it's from our vantage point, he said, she said, have not gone to the authorities. She apparently did that. I don't know whether they will press charges. I don't know um, if they will, what those charges will be. All that remains to be seen. Now, these, The way in which it's explained, in which she's seeking remedy, the outside of uh, litigation, a lot of folks are like, oh, that's a payday, which, of course, that is one interpretation you can have. The other one is, like, who really wants to go through a painful process um, where you're in court dredging up again allegedly being raped like these are horribly traumatic events that no one really wants to go through you're just not going to get out of this alive you are allowed to have whatever interpretation the poll question is about whether or not you believe these or not i mean here's the best i can say about all of this given what we know which is very very little we know literally allegations and then denials um it would not in any way be surprising right it would not in any way be surprising her details are i think worthy of additional scrutiny You know, that security separated people and then put them in a bathroom and then you had to elbow to get away. There's just a lot of things that would demand more questioning. I would say the description as it is written by TMZ, which, of course, you have to know they're the one telling you the story, whether or not they are accurately telling you the story is another matter. So we have to take the story as what TMZ is telling us. The the details look a little thin. Um, I'm not in any way saying that I don't believe it. In fact, again, uh, like... This would make the third time Connor is accused of sexual assault, if we're counting, right? If we're counting, there is the incident that happened apparently in December of 2018 in Dublin, which later took on legal life in 2019. There is the incident uh, in Corsica where he was arrested and then let go, and the uh, the authorities there ultimately dropped charges because they had insufficient evidence. Uh, and now there is this, and then on top of it, there is one that's, uh, to my knowledge, from, I had to double check this because someone had noted it, there is a woman who claims to have been assaulted on uh, a yacht by him, I believe his yacht, uh, and then had to jump off. She also went to the authorities, um, but that, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, is not a sexual assault claim, more just actual straight up assault. And of course, if we're talking assault, there's that one, there's the, it was didn't turn into assault, but he got kind of spicy with Machine Gun Kelly the bellator cage how about the italian dj who claimed he got assaulted how about the old guy in the pub which was caught on video you know there's been a few of these there's been a few of these at least at a bare minimum of allegations so if it were true would it in in any way be surprising like no i don't think that it would be um and for folks being like well there's a lot of allegations that never amounted to much in the legal system uh yeah that doesn't mean much i mean that doesn't again like you're asking me like what the opinion is i don't have a fucking clue i mean we just don't have enough evidence to really weigh in on these claims i'm just telling you that like (laughs) repeated repeated public allegations repeated cases of women going to the authorities going to the cops and telling him because there was the women went to the cops in dublin the woman went to the cops in corsica and the woman allegedly went to the cops here in miami i don't know i mean what does it all mean like you decide ultimately we'll get the poll results a little bit at the end but like would this in any way be surprising or unusual to you like would any of this be like wow i just didn't see this coming you know um no i don't i mean my general belief is that what 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 has transpired and what people can prove can often have a a yawning gap between them um it's just weird for someone to be accused of this many assaults, sexual or otherwise, and then for all of them to be frivolous claims, especially when he's been caught on video punching an old guy in a bar, you know, or, you know, caught on video jumping into the Bellator cage, which again, you're like, oh, he was celebrating with a teammate. I've had teammates fight. I can't do that, you know. Oh, well, he's rich. It's like, well, right. That's the point, right? Like, is that rich people, whoever they are, they just get whatever the fuck they want. So, um, so we'll see uh not great dude it's a really weird weird moment for connor mcgregor is it not so here we have these sexual assault allegations which are not great at a bare minimum could be false maybe you even think they're likely to be false maybe even you're sure they're false fine but certainly not a great look this has been reported all over the internet uh immediately including in nba media that's first second of all i believe today is the deadline if i'm not mistaken today is the deadline to get into the USADA testing pool in order to be fighting by the last UFC pay-per-view at the end of the year. So If he doesn't get in today, it looks either like he won't be fighting this year, he won't be fighting Chandler at all, potentially, or they're just going to tell USADA to go pound sand because they'll do that anyway. But certainly it remains very unclear. He actually was in New York City, like, like literally. I'm not even kidding. He was 20 feet outside of where the yesterday I was I was at the Spence Crawford presser yesterday at the Palladium nightclub in New York or the Palladium Theater I should say in New York City he was just I mean like literally across the street like right there uh, I'm not sure what he was doing in New York City more generally but you know he had a school on so business meetings I don't know I don't really know what all of that is amounts to in the end but um just seems completely divorced from the kind of life that leads to Not merely fighting regularly, but fighting successfully. I mean, he just does not appear to be in that mindset. And candidly, I will tell you, like, I've not watched a whole lot of The Ultimate Fighter this time, uh, but I've seen some clips. There was a clip yesterday of him coming out and talking about managing pain and like letting it move through you and then, you know, releasing it from your hand. And it's like, listen, Connor was ahead of the game in a lot of different ways, including on like movement training, movement quality, quality through range of motion, strength and flexibility. Through range of motion and having that fluidity as part of your stance, your attacking scheme, all actually pretty much ahead of the game on. There's been a lot of things he's done that's been very interesting, or to bare minimum have worked really well for him. But now it's getting to the point where it seems like he's almost like a crazy old, you know, geek, uh, just shouting nonsense at people. Like he just seems super disconnected from the fight game, even though that he is still on this reality show. He seems disconnected from. UFC's calendar he seems disconnected uh, mostly from the sport um, reputation and you know occasional interminglings it just seems like he is on his own island which again assuming these allegations are not true like he should be enjoying his life anyway like that's fine but it's just this idea that he's got this comeback I mean he beat Roni in January of 2020 right like we are a long long way from some kind of mcgregor that resembles what he once resembled um let's get to this follow-up question in real time double m111093 asks the only time mcgregor gets support from the mma fan base is when he's accused of sexual assault we have an issue with red pill people in the fan base yeah there's a lot of right-wing loons in the fan base uh be quite clear a lot of you know i mean look listen you know you got low financial literacy and uh people to conspiracy thinking which is why crypto was such a huge part of mma now that crypto's blown up in their face largely they've gotten much much quieter about it but you know this is who it just you know a lot of those kinds of types are attracted to fighting and so you know you just have to kind of understand that um i haven't seen the poll results we'll look at them in just a second but um did we not say, not last week's live chat because there wasn't one, but the one after that, did we not, the one, excuse me, the one prior to that, did, did I not say that I found the notion of him fighting Chandler two weeks ago to be like, in fact, if I had to bet that it wouldn't happen, now I feel very confident in saying that, very confident. But like the likelihood of that seems to be going down by the hour, by the hour. Um, I guess we'll see in the end of what, what's available and what they want to do. But if I was Michael Chandler, you know, I might start considering some other options to be quite candid with you. Um, Okay. All right. Let's get to some of these questions on the pre-done side here. All right. Luke, assuming Oliveira gets the next title shot, what meaningful changes could he implement to have a better chance at beating Islam? Considering how badly he was outclassed in the first fight, I said this. I went on a podcast of some guys that were based in the Middle East today, and I said it there, but I'll say it again here in front of you guys. I'm not. I think in general, Makachev is a bad matchup for Oliveira. Oliveira has a lot of offense, but he he he's better about this. But he's still pretty good about exposing. Or he's pretty bad anyway, but pretty consistent about exposing himself to risk, including some unnecessary risk in certain ways. Um, that make him open to a guy like Makachev, who is very selective, very careful, doesn't get hit a lot, doesn't get in bad positions a lot, You know, moves when it's his time to go, is very patient, thoughtful, careful. That's just not Olivera. Olivera is just force on you. you know, And that works really well. But against Makachev, I don't know that that is the best way to go about fighting somebody. So I think Makachev, in that sense, is always going to be kind of a bad matchup. But, you know, you already saw some of this against Dariush. And I, I talked about this on the on the post-fight show. Guys, him no longer jumping out of the air. That that, that, wor- that wasn't like a universally bad thing where guys are, for example, Kevin Lee got him to back up along the fence line. Or there's been other cases, Nick Lance, I think some of the, the strikes landed as well. So they're either good for landing, distance closing, getting guys to back up and head. Some real measurable utility, but against the really good guys, it's just a bad idea to leave your feet like that. It's not like there's never a case to leave your feet. Superman punches, GSP got into some of those. Obviously, there can be a case where you do that, but in general, like you need to be rooted on the ground. You need to be rooted in order to get good drive on a shot. You need to be rooted in order to change angles. You need to be rooted in order to retreat. You need to be rooted in order to get maximum punching power and rotation on your hips and everything. Like you need to be rooted. To the ground you have to be screwed in there and just jumping in the air you're going to get caught with shit like he did against islam you're not going to have any punching power guys are just going to get out of the way and now you've committed that position and now they can take center like the whole thing just doesn't add up it just doesn't make sense so like for example you didn't see him leave his feet one time one time against derius and i also thought underneath he did a really good job of minimizing the ground and pound The thing I'd like to see from him is just not be as much in vulnerable positions. Like, it's great that he was able to survive off of his back and threaten with nearly backside 50-50. Did you guys see that? So he had, memory serves, he goes underhook on the leg, and then that same side leg goes reaping over the side. Off the reap, he begins to turn into backside 50-50, but doesn't go for it all the way. It doesn't really get it. And then uh, Darius steps around and goes on top. Like, that's good that he's got those attacks. But that's not going to beat Makachev, and by and that particular thing is not going to beat, um, you know, uh, in that circumstance. He beat Dariush on the feet, not on the ground. Um, so I just think it's like, you know, again, do you ever see Makachev fight off of his back very long? Like these guys are all about turks, turns, top pins, um, handcuffing, cross wrist control, um, same side wrist control. You know, they're all about pins and and um, wrist control and then ground and pound from that, and you know what I mean. Like they're only working, to like nearly catch wrestling positions. Uh Oliveira sounding underwater at times. The it is. Uh, I don't know what that's all about. My audio is an issue. My fellow says my audio is an issue. I don't know what the issue with that would be. Everything's same setup. I didn't even touch it. It's a little weird. Oh, you know what? Huh? Let me see something here. I have an idea of what it might be. Let's try this. Let's try this. I have an idea. Give me a second. I'm gonna try something here. Let's go. All right, this might make it a little bit better. Othello, keep me posted on how this sounds, all right? All right. Okay. That might make it a little bit better. I don't know. I guess we shall see. Apologies if it is. Hopefully it'll get better. Last thing I'll say on this. It, to me, is mostly a function of exposure. Exposure to what kind of ranges he is in in order to land his shots. Sounds good. Okay. Apologies for that. Uh, how much he's working from disadvantageous positions, how much work he has to do to free himself from that. Um, But one of the things that's really great about him is once he gets his offense going, and I've called it going downhill, he keeps people trapped in that system for a really long time. Or at least, you know, he makes them work repeatedly just to keep it from going worse, right? So like finding the, the clear uh, scenarios where he can get that going rather than just kind of improvising and making it go that way. Like really planning out like Islam doesn't fight Oliveira on Oliveira's terms. Oh, you're in front of me. I guess I'll just fight you here. Now he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He moves to a different direction. He moves to a different place. He wraps up how he wants to. He nullified him completely along the cage getting hip to hip he nullified him on the ground so it's really going to be about these positions where he was getting nullified offensively you have to either take control back from them or find other positions where he can't apply those kinds of things consistently and i think forcing a striking battle or getting to the back um i think it's just gonna offensively trying to wrestle him is going to be a better served kind of moment but you know just constantly working off of your back or out of a deficit positionally against a guy like Makachev, leaving your feet to do distance closing. Dude, these are just low percentage things that work on lesser guys. They don't work on the best guys. Hold on, Tuki just came home. There we go. Now she can't just barge her way in. All right. Let's go. I think there was a follow-up question. I'm told there is one. Or maybe there's not. I don't think that there is. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's go back to this side. Here we are. Came right here. Told you. Here we go. Uh, hey, Luke, is it possible that you can do a technical breakdown on the UFC middleweight fighter, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez? He's been so impressive in his four fight win streak, um, blah, 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 where he mixes his striking and grappling so well, combined with his cardio and pace. His transitions are so good once he gets to his opponents to the mat where he finishes in with ground and pound or submission. He's a joy to watch. Thanks for everything. Yes. I don't have a broader comment. I don't have a broader comment other than I would have to study in more detail. Let me pull up his numbers here if I can for just a second. Let's see. Let's see. Anthony Hernandez. Let's take a look at his numbers here very quickly. What would stand out statistically? Let me pull you guys in. And then we sharpen this up. Okay. So here are his career statistics. Let's take a look at them very quickly. Strikes landed per minute, 4.3. That's above average. Striking accuracy is in low 60s. That's good. Uh, absorbed, 3.36. I think that's probably bang average, which is fine. Striking defense, 46. A little low. A little low on that. Takedown average. I mean, look at that. set. Look at this. 6.79 uh, takedowns averaged per 15 minutes. He's good for two every five minutes plus. Uh, takedown accuracy is, is actually pretty high, all things considered. Takedown defense, not that high, but that's partly because of scrambling and then the submission defense. So that's a very, very basic look at it. I, I, I'll I tell you what, like, he's on his way. I kind of thought he would get the better of Shabazian, and he did, although he had to kind of work for it at first anyway. Um, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm pretty high on him. But in order to give you any kind of informed opinion about it, I need to go watch his tape a little bit more closely, unfortunately. All right. Um, Let's see. Look, over the past nine years or so, we've been fairly spoiled by the consistent quality and quantity of UFC and MMA fights in general. I do think that's true. I wanted to ask, with a notable decline in matchmaking, does this mark the end of what one might consider a, quote, golden era? Uh, For example, other sports and combat sports had these periods, such as boxing in the 90s and so on. Well, that's not entirely true. Some of the early to mid-90s, you've got, some better fights. I think it was mid to late 90s where that began to change. And I think, honestly, like Mayweather, you heard uh, Devin Haney talk about this, where Mayweather was really kind of positioned as the problem here. Like, Mayweather really put an emphasis on making sure he went undefeated. And the issue with that is, like, it worked out fine for Mayweather. It worked out really good for Mayweather. But guys trying to copy that with a similar kind of sensibility, that, in fact, was a problem. And it did end up with guys probably not making as much crossover attempts as they as they are now certainly boxing's politics at the time split, split between Showtime and HBO um you know between various promoters at the time top rank and everything else like all of these things have created division and difficulty but it's not entirely true that the that the 90s more generally did not feature some decent heavyweight for example matchmaking um and some decent heavyweight action along the way because it, it definitely did but you're asking um Well, first of all, the matchmaking, like, boxing's having a great year. So I think you might be talking just about MMA. Dude, I'm very hesitant to say that we are in some kind of long winter in terms of matchmaking. I mean, maybe I need to figure this out because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth on this one a little bit. Here's what I'll say. Right now, like, the interest in the state of the UFC product is pretty clearly depressed to me. Um, You know, they've got International Fight Week coming up, which is a, good card like I would never in any way bag on it but by international fight week standards it seems okay not great okay um and then some of these fight nights like you got Vittoria and Ken and Ear this weekend like I don't really care about that fight I Vittoria 12 of 14 UFC fights have gone to decision you know Ken and Ear, uh, had a rebound against Strickland but like uh, he's closer to 40 than he is 30 uh Saryukin's on the card and there's some other gems but it's just a lot of like you know it's just white noise and there just doesn't appear to be a lot of, you know, white glove treatment where an event is built for maximal strength, rather than a calendar being built for maximum revenue, or a calendar being built for, you know, solving problems other than creating a, the kind of fight card that would maximally serve fans. Um, not saying the UFC has always done that; they've done it better than just about everyone else, obviously. But you know, there's been times where that hasn't been the case. I'm just sort of pointing out. Right now, it definitely does feel down, and there are reasons to believe that there might be some long standing problems um, by virtue of how they have created so much content sold media rights for it and so they're on the hook to produce it constantly and then as long as they're trapped in that cycle they'll never be able to produce the kind of quality that they did before i tend to think that some of this is much more cyclical on a quarter to quarter basis we're just in one of those quarters or maybe even you know just maybe a little longer depending how you want to say things but um where it's just not great right now but the, the what the ufc has going for it is again they've got so much premier talent um I get that if you have so many events that even that will get watered down, but we're talking, you know, 80% of the world's best fighters. They're still in general going to be able to deliver a lot of that to the fans. Now, if they really get to the point where they are creating so much of this, that even with all of the advantages to the roster, they have just completely watered it down. Well, I don't know what to say at that point. Then you might, that, 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 Business model locking in those difficulties might be quite real. Um, I guess we shall see. I'll, I'll just to wrap it all up. Have a little patience. Have a little patience. If the rest of the year looks like this, that might be one thing. Um, but let's see how it goes. I, I have found that the worm can turn in MMA pretty quickly at times. We are definitely in a downish swing. I don't think that's in any way disputable. The question is, is this a permanent decline? Or is this a permanent state? Or is there some kind of rebound and how much of one? I tend to think more of the latter, but we shall see. Um, let's see. I think I've talked about this one before, but I can give this one a little bit of a run. Uh, Luke, what's your approach to feedback from fans? Is there a threshold on how many people make a certain criticism or comment before you seriously consider it, or do you try to listen to everything? It seems like your approach and BC's approach is very different on MK because he prefaces some of his thoughts with fan pushback but maybe that's just the way he likes to set topics up. That is partly true. He definitely likes to set up topics that way. That what you of that of that you can certainly be sure. Uh the other component here is um he reads the comments religiously and I think, you know, um <laughs> he relative to me he is somewhat new to youtube in other words i was on youtube doing my own thing years and years before him uh i mean he had some stuff on there obviously he had done well for himself but he wasn't i mean i had my own channel I, i my own channel still this channel still has more subs than the mk channel right like i've been on youtube as a much more consistent presence than him for a longer time and what you realize is you can get lost in the comments a little bit um at times they can give you information that sounds really good but is not necessarily representative of the larger audience, like, or what, what what is good for YouTube's algorithm. Like it can just be very misleading and the opposite can be true. They can complain about something that you actually have to do either because your bosses make you, or it's actually better for some broader needs or whatever. So it's not to say like, there's no wisdom and fan pushback. I'll get to that. There actually very much is, but you kind of have to get an ear for it. It takes time to figure out um, what matters and what doesn't. Like I've said this before, like everyone bags on Tito. And with good reason, Tito says a lot of Tito says a lot of things that are very easy to mock. Okay, I think that's a very nice way of saying it. Did you see his new movie? <laughs> his new movie. Ready for this? I, I let me get the tweet, because I just couldn't fucking believe this. I could not believe what this fucking movie was called. Did you guys see this new Tito Ortiz movie? Look at this shit. Look at this shit. I could not fucking believe this. Look at this shit. Hold on. (laughs) Dude, the movie is called Operation Black Operations. (laughs) That's what the fucking movie is called. They called it Operation Black Operations. Dude, that I mean, I'm not even doing a fucking bit. Like, Operation Black Operations sounds like like Andy Samberg is making a spoof movie of this genre. That's what that sounds like, Operation Black Operations. I mean, I realize it's called Operation Black Ops. What the fuck do you think Black Ops is short for? <laughs> Operation Black Operations. It's like, okay, all right. Well, we didn't think that one through, did we? Huh? could could have put a little more effort into that one but okay neither here nor there um but the thing about tito is beyond naming his movies operation black operations i don't know if he i don't know if he titled it that but whoever did is a fucking idiot anyway neither here nor there the point i'm trying to make is you know i remember like on 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 twitter in those days when he was like fighting in bellator for example or even like against ryan bader like you would see on twitter he'd be just like ruthlessly mocked on Reddit, like ruthlessly mocked, you know, on, on all these forums, ruthlessly mocked. And then you go to, in person and dude, he'd get the biggest cheer of anybody. he get the biggest cheer of anyone by a mile. And you were like, eh, you might want to take a little bit. I mean, you, you know, how much of the country has Twitter? What is it, like less than 20% has Twitter? You know what I mean? So you have to really be, you have to learn like certain places And again, of course, if there is harmonious criticism across platforms, it's something worth listening to. If your boss begins to question it, if people like bring up things to you that because it's billowed into some kind of issue, then, yeah, you can you can deal with that as it stands. I mean, I I just this is the this is the reality I give to everyone. This is the this is the best I've done with it. And I'm sure I could be better. We all could. Right. But this is the best I've done with it. You have to learn where to find valuable criticism and people, they do this all wrong. People like brag. I've never blocked anyone on social. I've never done. You're a, you're a jackass. Like the reality is we are not meant to hear maximum criticism, right? Just everyone who's got anything negative to say right on your front door, listening to it. Like not only is that just inherently unhealthy. The question is like, even if it wasn't unhealthy, is it actually valuable? at getting the kind of feedback that produces awareness to make change. And the reality is no, it doesn't do that at all. It's not helpful um, because a lot of it could be wrong. A lot of it could be misleading, politically motivated, some other version of motivated reasoning more generally. So the answer I can give you is I try to trust my own intuition, just having sort of been in a lot of these spaces before. I try to hear some fan feedback to see to what extent um, it makes sense. I try to I try to hear from BC to what extent he feels that's really the best kind is when the fans feel a certain way about the show and BC shares that criticism because that's often not the case but when he does that's when I really know it's definitely going to be a problem so um, that would that would be my best answer but people think that what people think it's a sign of strength to accept into your orbit maximum criticism and that's just you're just the kind, you know who you are you're like the, you're Johnny Knoxville getting shot out of a cannon just so you can land on a bunch of cactus, cacti. You know what I mean? Like just showing off for maximum pain. You think like this actually makes you tougher or are you just undergoing trauma for no fucking, you know, for just for dollars in his case, which maybe is a better reason. But you know what I'm saying? Like you're not going to get even get paid to hear this criticism. You need to get people who are good at making criticism give you assessments. That's what you need to hear. And that can be fans, but, and it can be colleagues. It need not. You just kind of have to surf around a little bit. Um, What's this from Othello? He can't finish a sentence, but he'll finish the mission. Is this a zing on Tito? Are you zinging Tito there? That's, That's not nice, Othello. It's very mean. Okay. Very funny, but very mean. Operation Black Operations. I'm like, I know that's not racist at all. But it's so dumb, I can't be sure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't. I mean, that's probably not right. But like, how can you tell? You know, how can you tell? By the way, do you remember when I was like, uh, I was clowning on McGregor's fade like a few chats ago? Did you guys see? it Was because he got one of the dudes in the house to cut his hair? I told you, I I, I spotted that fade from a mile away. I was like, you didn't pay top dollar for that fade. No chance. You can, you can mock my haircut. I realize I look like I got hit by a bus. Fine, fine. I, I admit my shortcomings. I'm just pointing that out. Um, let's see. Oh, good question. Uh hey Luke, I believe you mentioned that you enjoyed the new animated Spider-Man movie. Would you mind expanding on that? What about the animation story or characters did you enjoy? You know what? Uh the new Spider-Man is fucking amazing. It's amazing. It's just an amazing piece of work. Now, Let me tell you, I did not enjoy it as much as the first one, but I don't think it was. I honestly don't think it was meant to be enjoyed as much as the first one. Um, And there's one big reason that I can't tell you if you haven't seen it, but if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Let's just put it this way there's a cliffhanger at the end. Um, So I don't think it was designed to be as um, neatly tidy a product as the first one was the other part that kind of got me that i don't think is a negative criticism of it but it does require uh, like dude that movie it's a cartoon and folks will who are not thinking straight will say that that is the ultimate expression of that art form is just you know a spider-man cartoon like there's nothing more to it when in fact i think it's the opposite i think this is a cartoon movie that trends more towards the artistic direction than anything else and um there is the first 90 minutes are just a speed run. There is so much stimuli that happens. I will tell you that it requires I'm going to at a I say at a bare minimum three viewings to fully get to get a good complete picture of everything you just saw. Like it's just a blitz that doesn't end at all. But um I found it you know it they it, it, it's not only just the, the the animation is next level and that the characters they are identifiable or even if they're not identifiable that because they're unique and weird, they make you care about them. They make you care about these unique people, these unique expressions of the Spider-Man identity, these different ways in which it expresses itself and all of these different permutations. And yet all of them seem so approachable. And like, I I honestly was thinking about this, like, you know, I don't like any, I I don't like any of the live action Spider-Man movies, except this new kid, Tom Holland's pretty good. I think that's his name but like the Tobey Maguire ones, I really hated in part because they're kind of corny and kitsch. But the other thing is like, why why did that first movie work and why did the second movie work for me? Dude, Miles Morales is a very likable character, a very likable character. You know, a Brooklyn kid who is smart, but kind of goofy and trying to be better and it's difficult for him. And he gets out in front of his ski sometimes and he gets nervous talking to girls, but he is just headstrong, determined clever, knows he's destined for something more, there's just something really, really likable about him, about that character um, and I think it it just makes the entire orbit around him work because the other characters obviously work in, in um, for the story obviously in concert with him but the, the nucleus of the story is always going to be Miles Morales and he's just so likable it's just such a great char- and it's such a great expression of what it means to be Spider-Man and how we understand him and like his eccentricities and his sense of humor and everything else like it's it's just beyond excellent in that way um i will tell you like on the political side of things i thought about this too like you know there's not a lot of people seeking out 40 year old white guy opinions on race and race matters i'm fully cognizant of that but if i may the week before i took my daughter to see little mermaid now listen let me be very clear about something i am not one of these dumbasses who rolls into a movie theater and then complains about the racial (laughs) you know, backgrounds of mermaids. It's just not an effective use of my time. I'm not one of these guys who goes to target and complains that they got rainbow gear. Just don't give a fuck. Sorry guys. If you, again, if you want to spend your time doing this shit, by all means, it's a free country, but I've got better things to do. Um, the lady, the girl who plays the little mermaid is tremendous. She does a A plus job, but I will tell you who sucked in that movie. And by the way, the movie is terrible, not because the mermaid is black or whatever, but, just because the movie sucks ass like in order for example in order for it to be an oscar movie they had to add two songs to it that hadn't have nothing to do with the original that are new that are not very good you just have to sit through two musical numbers so that sucks um you know Sebastian the crab in the original cartoon has like a big face and a big identity and a big personality his fucking face can't move in any of these things like same with flounder like all of the animal characters have zero personality even with Aquafina doing the voice of the birds. Like, that sucks. And I'll tell you who else sucks in that movie. Javier Bardem. And you might be like, oh, who's that if you don't know anything about movies? This is the guy who played the the serial killer in Old Country for... No, sorry, No Country for Old Men, the Cormac uh, McCarthy novel-turned-movie, who is... Ordinarily, Javier Bardem steals the show. Like, he is an A-plus actor if ever there was one. He's an F-level actor in this. I mean, he must have been high on Benzo's The entire time, zero personality, zero, none. Absolutely the worst fucking actor in this whole movie. You can't believe it. Melissa McCarthy as Ursula is actually pretty good too. Okay, why do I bring all of this up? Because it turned out that uh, Javier Bardem plays Triton, the uh, Poseidon basically, the king of the sea. And he has numerous daughters. Well, all of his daughters, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, one is like, because he's got like an asian daughter then a black daughter then he's got he's got a white daughter and he's got like you know all these different varieties of daughters that all represent different parts of the world. And like I want to be clear about something like none of that bothers me in anything. It doesn't make it a better movie to me uh, as as in, like in terms of how we make good or bad movies, but fine, you want to put that in there, no problem. But like this like I I talked about this before with the what was the marvel movie like Elementals or Not Elementals um the one with um Um, the shitty one that they made recently with all of the gods and and whatnot. I forget the name of it. It was so terrible. I couldn't, I I, I was hard to sit through where they do these like, Hey everyone, we are obviously making the characters this way, just as a way to make sure that, you know, we care about things like diversity um, as a, like a, as like a full frontal show so that we can use that as a way to like you know, cover for horrible corporate abuse practices, which is really, in fact, what these are all, all that is all that means to them. So I'm not here to undermine like what it might mean for, um, you know, uh, other audiences to see a black mermaid. Again, she was great, like two thumbs up for her. Halle Bailey is like, go see it just for her. She's fine. But this like that the show of his daughters in that way, not that I think that's a bad thing. I just don't think that's a very effective thing when you're trying to talk about um, getting people who wouldn't normally ordinarily, ordinarily care about these kinds of audience, uh, all, all these kinds of figures, to get to watch them. What you should do is what they do with Miles Morales, which is just just tell a great story with a great character, and then go through with it after that. Like it fucking bangs, dude. Like you care about his relationship with his mother who speaks Spanish. Like my dude, I took my daughter to see it. This is where representation does matter a little bit. And she was like, she turned to me and she goes spider-man's mommy is speaking spanish like dude that kind of got me when she said it that way you know what i mean like i get all that but they but the reason why it sticks with you and it resonates is you are exposed to this person's in this particular case it's a spider-man but you're exposed to his life you are exposed to the depths of his interaction with the world you are exposed to his failures you are exposed to this person this is what makes connection not just like checking off numbers on a box and be like, hey, we got a Russian daughter for uh, Javier Bardem. We got a, we got one from Africa. We got one from China. Whatever, like just doing that bullshit, just throwing it in there with no effective purpose. Like I was like, dude, what is this bullshit? So if you want to go see it because you like live action Disney, go. Um, if you, you know, again, Halle Bailey is really good. Like all the things that people complained about were stupid, but it just shows you like if you actually want to make a difference with audiences who aren't ordinarily exposed to that kind of thing, there's a clever way to do it. And there's not clever way to do it. And that was the not clever way to do it at little mermaid. Uh, okay. Someone's asking about Pantera. I'm going to skip that asking about the SOG Andre Ward documentary. I've not seen that yet, so I can't comment on it. Uh, what about Mexico not having any UFC champions by the end of the year? I don't know. Okay, here we go. Here's a good one. Luke, in all of your time watching MMA, which fighter would you say in his or her prime had the best mind in the sport? I'm not referring to IQ, the ability to promote a fighter, even game plan. said I'm interested in the ability to align the body and the mind together. A state where the fighter is so dialed in, so in tune with himself that it amazed you as a spectator. Sure. You know, speaking of the guy who's in the news today for allegations of sexual assault, Conor McGregor against Eddie Alvarez. Even Conor against... Jose, I didn't get that feeling in part because Jose, you know, kind of getting out of his comfort zone and oh, I should say attacking McGregor recklessly, you know. Um it just didn't f- I wasn't I wasn't super blown away, but dude, Eddie Alvarez, I mean I was blown away, but I not in the way you're asking. But dude, I think Eddie Alvarez, he was going up a weight class Connor was. He was acting like a weirdo that week, which in the end it obviously we know it didn't matter, showing up late with the big fur coat on and telling everyone to suck his big Irish balls, all that stuff. Remember all that? You were just like, this dude's out of control. And Eddie Alvarez was the fucking man, dude. And he still is the man, but like Eddie Alvarez beating RDA the way he did and leaving Bellator and having to, you know, after losing to Michael Chandler, get his revenge and all that shit, all the stuff he had to do and starting off against Cerrone and inauspiciously and then working his way back and getting some solid wins. Dude, Eddie Alvarez is the man. Like he, like, I mean, absolutely been in the trenches of 155 and he could wrestle and he could strike and he was a good athlete and he was experienced like all the things you want to say about what connor didn't experience at 145 it's like dude the buck stops fucking here man it stops here and then he went in there and just bulldozed him and bulldozed him in a way where you know yes he was taking advantage of mistakes but like just it's one thing for an elite fighter to beat another elite fighter but when you see an elite fighter dummy another elite fighter that's when you're like oh you know when you know a guy is really really good sound technically experienced they're not going to cut corners in camp they're going to be on weight the weight cut itself is not going to fuck with them none of that and then they get dummied that's when you knew like oh shit (laughs) and i remember and i remember thinking after that night because i was there that night i remember i went out on 7th avenue in new york city that night and the irish Packing all 7th Avenue is the one right in front of MSG on the other side of Penn Station. And it's the Irish completely filling it as far as you could see up to Midtown and all the way downtown to the right. Just ole, 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 ole. And Connor asking for, remember he asked for a share of the company. And I thought to myself, I think this fucking guy's earned it. I think he's earned it. You know, like after a performance like that, I mean, there was a thread that was going around on Twitter recently um show me a the moment the what the best uh he's him moment put that one there put that one there I was I was so blown away with dude they I'm not going to say Habib couldn't have beat him that night just with a different game plan but I'll say this Eddie was not going to beat him that night like there was just no I I don't and I don't know if any lightweight necessarily could have that night that night McGregor was dialed the fuck in in a way that was and I mean this breathtaking Breathtaking, truly, like, like holy shit, he did that. Even in my wildest dreams, I, I, you thought he could not, you thought he could knock out anyone, but like that, where you're just catching this guy coming in, dropping him, he's going to a knee and falling silly, and everything he tries, you're just like, like that scene with Smith in the Matrix One, and Neo is just one handed, dot 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 dot, you know what I mean? Like that. It felt like that. Uh, just insane. That, that That's the best answer I can give you. Also, I'll tell you, Brock Lesnar coming back against Shane Carwin. Have you seen the beating that Shane Carwin? Okay. Dude, Shane Carwin, he got jabbed to death by Junior Dos Santos, and like he wasn't up to the task in that fight. But Shane Carwin had frightening, frightening power. You can look at the fight with Frank Mira's one, but the best case for that, there's a bunch of good ones. The best case for that is going to be the Christian Wellish fight. Christian Wellish was a heavyweight, I believe out of AKA at that time, right the time that King Velasquez was around. Uh, he was a little bit um, in a different place, but Carwin hits this fucking guy with a cross so hard, he spins his head in a million different directions. He collapses like a building that's imploding and sends his fucking mouthpiece flying like Olaf Alfonso getting laid out by Razor Rob McCullough. I mean, that bitch just went into orbit, into orbit. And then you watch the ground and pound that he put on Brock. And I was sitting there watching it. I'm thinking to myself, dude, he's going to kill this guy. Like it (laughs) it was lightning and thunder that was getting put on Brock. And he somehow survived, turns the tables, and then, you know, does what he does the next round. I was just like whole I I you know, I tell you what, I needed a fucking cigarette when that fight was over. That's what that was for me. I needed a cigarette. just insane. question about Crawford Spence. Um, someone's was asking how it might play out. I'm working on a big breakdown for Showtime. So be on the lookout. Luke, last week you posted about the Chimp Empire documentary. I uh, want to get your thoughts on it. I really enjoyed it. Incredible to see social structure that they have. Big thoughts from Quebec. Did you guys see, um, in conjunction with, if you haven't seen Chimp Empire on Netflix, please go watch it. It is a 10 out of 10. Absolutely gripping cinema. Uh, documentary, movie making, but movie making just the same. There is a scene. Um, no, sorry. I saw a report recently that they found a one of our humanoid relatives from thousands of years ago I do not know exactly where they fit in the human primate continuum but that they had brains the size of chimps um, but but there's evidence that they buried their dead imagine that watching chimps bury their dead well what I can tell you is what you do see from chimps is not that but you see from them a ton of other range of uh, what I would identify as human behavior but obviously more sentient behavior and then like profound important, extremely complex social interaction as a group for who gains supremacy, how supremacy is ordained, what the object is along gender roles, what the object is along power roles, power associations um, who keeps the peace, who does the who does the war fighting, who does the morning who, I mean, all this shit, like this incredible amount of detail of these, the depth of their lives is significantly bigger than you think it is. Um, and this for it's a four part documentary basically uh, gives you a good look into it. Someone's asking about the champions league. Dude, I didn't even watch the last game. If, if uh, here's the thing, I gotta be honest. I, for example, Saturday, I'm going to a DC United game. So I like to support the local home team, right? Like I, they're not very good, but who gives a shit? Like, i like to i like to support my local teams like i'm a fan i'm a wizards fan i went to a game this year i'm a caps fan i went to a game this year tickets are expensive as shit um i haven't been to a dc united game this season so i'm excited to go you know what i mean like i root for them and and if madrid is playing i pay attention to what madrid is doing i don't watch a lot of soccer if my teams aren't playing you know what i mean like i don't just turn on like oh crystal palace is playing stoke like no i'll flip the channel i don't give a fuck about any of that um or Bilbao, how about in in La Liga, Bilbao is playing Valencia, like, you know, I just watch, I just watch the teams that I like, I don't really, I know that makes me like a lesser fan in the eyes of most, and I don't claim to have any special knowledge about soccer at all, I'm just a fan, but I'd be lying if I told you like, you know, I watch hardcore or something. Um. Let's see. What would your number one pet peeve regarding technique? Oh, I like that question. Okay. Look, if you were a top-level professional boxing trainer, and I am not, or an MMA coach, or I am not, what would be your number one pet peeve regarding technique? Um, man, I tell you what, I told BC this too. Dude, watch... I've been watching a lot of boxing recently. Like, all my downtime, I watched... Just the other day, I watched uh, De La Hoya and Trinidad. And, um, you know, I watched uh, Spence versus Algeria this morning. I watched Spence versus Van Earden. Van Earden is the guy who sparred McGregor. You guys might remember him. Before Mayweather Mac. there was a big deal about Chris Van Earden. Uh, Spence fucked him up. <laughs> Spence fucked him up real good. Um, so... I watched both of those today. Um, Dude, watching boxing will make it a little bit hard to watch MMA if you like boxing. Here's what I mean about that. I said this before, people who like these MMA fighters who like quit fighting MMA at the end of their career and then they go into box are like, oh, it's so much easier. And I believe them like the, the, the wear and tear on the body. I believe them. The narrowness of what they have to focus on relative to everything else has to make that easier. Like not that it's easy, but like all of those different demands in MMA. It just it's very difficult to 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 keep up with that kind of thing. But what you got to understand is the guys who've been doing boxing a really long time, dude. I, and I've said this before, if you follow my work, you're, I'm not about to tell you anything new, but it is, I cannot overstate its importance. The refinement in technique is just vastly different. Vastly different. The timing on when punches get thrown is so much sharper. The accuracy is much sharper. The footwork is a lot better, like a lot better. Man, the footwork in MMA is a mess. It's a mess. Like, some of the better ones are obviously pretty good at it. You know, Izzy's really good at it, and there's some other ones. Robert Whitaker's really good at it. Um, There's some other ones, too, but it's like your average, even UFC broadcast, is filled with footwork problems. And, like, in particular, some of the things I've noticed is guys being able to turn off of jabs just is a major problem where they bring their back feet crossing over. And then they have to take time to go back to their stance. Dude, you do that in boxing, you're gonna get lit on fucking fire. You cross your back one because you're crossing over too high to bring back to your stance, dude. A millisecond in boxing is an eternity. You'll just you you'll just lose. You'll just lose. You can't do shit like that um, at all, or guys cross stepping constantly. Although Lomachenko does some cross stepping too, but um t- you know, constant cross-stepping, guys just walking in a circle to get away like completely unbalanced the whole time. Like things like that drive me fucking nuts. It is not possible to incorporate boxing footwork or even strict, you know, wrestling for footwork into wrestling and MMA. Like all these, all these things have to be adapted, but MMA fighters haven't gotten good enough yet to take advantage the good ones have the really good ones have, but in general, even high level ones have not taken, have not gotten so good, at taking advantage of the other one's footwork mistakes unless they've naturally put themselves in a bad position, which, of course, can happen in boxing too. But what I mean to say is there's times where these guys have these really off-balance, fucked-up things going on, and they're, the other opponent is just not really in a place to be able to take advantage of that. Dude, I'm telling you, like I I, I came out of that Gervonta Davis like, tapes. I had to watch all of his I – I think it was like six or seven, maybe five or six – Gervonta Davis fights from open stance. Cause the fight with Garcia was going to be open stance southpaw versus Orthodox. So I went through all of his like last five or six of them. And I watched his progression and I watched the fine details that he gets right. Dude. Like you just, and, and, and tank is not even like known as like a Shakur Stevenson kind of real technical applicator. I'm talking precise fucking details. Precise. And on the footwork side, footwork and MMA is still a mess. It's still a mess. And you and you notice that pretty quickly. Um, not that I'm going to be in a good position to do this, but someone's asking top of your head, are there any tips you can give of being a good father? Yeah. When I become one, I'll let you know. Here's the best one that BC and I both agree on for whatever this is worth. There's just two dads trying to figure it out ourselves. Am I a great dad? I have no idea. I try. Uh, be there as much as possible. Right? Right for Saturdays, spending as much time as you can on the weekends more generally or um, um, making time after school, dropping them off in the morning, like just reading to them at night, like just spending as much time with them, one, because the time with them goes quickly. uh, And so that's kind of important, but also like the more you're just there, the more you can develop those bonds, the more that they'll remember those times, the more that you can understand your kid and maybe perhaps give them what they need and develop the kind of relationship that can be more open over time. Like just be there, just be there, just FaceTime as much. Now, I don't mean like the app. I mean like actual FaceTime, just be there, be there as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Prediction on the next innovative or, and game changing technique that might be quickly adopted by most MMA fighters. Like the calf kick was uh, again, I've seen guys get better at slipping. I think that's going to be one you'll see more and more of guys getting effective at slipping and countering at the same time. I think that's a big one. Um, the um, I've talked about it before. The the Dagestani style of rides, Turks, pins, that kind of thing, is already on its way. I tend to think that what we haven't done as much of is um, – you do see it from Charles Oliveira where he can hit De La Hiva guards, reverse De La Hiva guards, you know, or inside De La Hiva, whatever you want to call it, and then he can go backside 50-50, stuff like that, X guard. I still feel like, not guard play per se, but um, safer, quicker transitions to a heel I don't think are fully explored um, just yet. But what I really think is the biggest one is the change in wrestling from on top and you're in someone's guard to... And Bryce Mitchell does it as well. Effective pins. Pins, rides, Turks, spreads, all that kind of stuff. Do we underrate Habib's athleticism? Probably. Uh, Good question. Okay, Luke, if a UFC fighter passes away due to a negligent referee... Would the commission have to answer for the referees' actions? So yeah, let's walk through that for just a second. Here's what is most likely what would happen if a UFC fighter died in a bout or after subsequent to a bout due to do injuries sustained in them, akin to what has happened in boxing. Um, I don't think it would be a death knell for um, MMA or the UFC. I mean, obviously, you know, um, you know, I, th- I forgot who promoted. Was it PBC or maybe Top Rank who promoted? The Subrill Matias Maxim Dadashev fight, and uh, you know Matias is now fighting on Showtime with PBC, and and obviously Dadashev unfortunately passed away, but it wasn't it wasn't a disaster for either that commission really or um, or uh, the promotion. Now that was different because the there was a question about whether the referee could have stepped in, but there wasn't some dire need for it in the same way that you're talking about. So let's say that we're talking about in your question, you're positing a scenario where the person here the referee acted in a way that like they just didn't intervene hardly at all let the fight go way too long blah 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 and then somebody died so there would obviously be a scandal i mean let's just be clear the first fighter to die in the ufc is going to be a big story it's going to be a big story and i say the first one because i don't think they'll only be ever be one unfortunately it is a dangerous fight and the better screens will get you know um They'll catch a lot of problems ahead of time, but none of these, none of these situations are perfect, right? So that's that's one problem. Uh there would if it happened in Nevada, um, I think there would be an enormous amount of scrutiny on that referee, on that assignment, on that commission. Probably the governor would get involved. There would be other like the reason why the commission gets away with everything is because powers higher than the commission just don't really get involved. Like people yell and they scream, but for example when um the Nick Diaz situation came around like national media began to bully them and i say bully like they deserved it but like that 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 it, it drew down the thunder from them i think the governor even put out a statement about it like the, the, in other words entities that ordinarily don't play a role in any kind of coverage really would be descending i think on the incident itself and that by by nature that would require Um, Some kind of response, it would be, you know, if the governor did get involved, there would be a a substantial amount of change, I think, that could be possible, in fact. Uh, So, you're asking, would the commission have to answer for the referee's actions? Provided there was a sufficient media environment that made them, yes. Yes, is the answer. And my guess is that there would be enough in a circumstance like that. Let me see if I can get one more. It's got a few of these. Um, Here's one on Connor and USADA, which we talked a little bit about. Luke, why are major MMA outlets making such a big deal about Connor not being in the testing pool? Should be clear to anyone in the know. That when and if Connor decides to fight, USADA will not be any obstacle. USADA even explicitly says that the six month rule can be waived at their discretion and they don't have to explain why. Right. There's a couple of other issues here. I think the problem for Connor, at least, okay, one problem for Connor, in addition to today's wonderful headlines, is that, uh, and Othello, can you text me the results of the poll, please? Um, I can't quite see it on my screen. One of the issues is that what if they waive it? Right. And the same thing happens with Brock. Not merely that he wins or whatever, but that he tests positive. I think Connor wants to be in a place where there's not going to be a chance for him to test positive. And so if that's the case, then he has to wait this out in his system because you're right, they could just waive it completely. I don't think that they would mind waving it, provided they had some assurance he's not going to just test positively right away. I think that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of, I don't think they're that afraid of waiving it. I really don't. You saw what's, what's Usada going to do? Oh, we're not going to work with you anymore. Not get the millions of dollars that they've gotten by working with them over time. Get the fuck out of here. Of course, they want to work with them. You know, like oh, it's damaging to their reputation. Like Usada cares about that. Uh, But they, but the, what the UFC absolutely wants to avoid is we waived it and he tested positive. That would be the problem. That would be one that they just don't want to get involved in. So I think they're trying to find a better scenario. All right. Let me give you the results of the poll that we put at the top of the chat window, right? The question was, do you believe the new McGregor sexual assault allegations? (laughs) I mean, who knows? Uh, 33% said yes. 25% said no. 43 said, don't know. Not sure. You can count me in the don't know, not sure, but would not be surprised if it was true camp. That's where you can put me. All right. Uh, If you got a question that you want to get answered, you can put in a donation now. Certainly under no obligation to do so, but if you do, I'm happy to see what you have to say. All right, let's get to this one. How ridiculous should Juliana feel? Juliana, by the way, is how it would be pronounced. Uh, Although I gringified it there. Okay, she adopts a... uh, There we go. She adopts a persona to market herself, but aside from that, if she has any shame slash self-awareness, how ridiculous should she feel? I mean, people are beating up on her. I mean, you're right that she has no self-awareness about this. Like, fine. And you're right that it comes off as a bad look, not arguing otherwise. But it's like, dude, like, have you met a, a fighter before? <laughs> like, you know, I I get that sometimes you got you find people who in the fight game are able to dial back the intensity in really important circumstances. They've got sensitivity to these matters but dude a lot of these fighters don't they're like so in that world they can't they can't see beyond it and so they're like Fuck you retiring that's what that's them thinking probably this will be good for getting attention which on some level that's true and they probably also just don't care about the pushback all that much because they believe that their vision of things is you know very true very right very fair um and they're they have maximum commitment to that idea. Well, folks, have you ever had maximum commitment to the idea about something? You know, you're not going to let things get in your way when that's the case. If you, if uh, not in a case where you're like, oh, I believe strongly. No, 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 maximally. Like you have a religious commitment, almost, almost a a a, a, a duty to fulfill this in a certain way. I di- it didn't bother me. Like, you know, MMA fighter yells. Awful shit at another MMA fighter. News at 11. You know? (laughs) Uh, Not sure how to answer this. How has white supremacy affected you and your family? Also, when Patreon. So Patreon, we're looking at probably, if we pull the trigger on it, which seems like we likely will, I'm thinking probably next month, late next month. We'll see. Uh, has how has white supremacy affected your family? Well, it depends what you mean by white supremacy. If you mean um, dudes in hoods burning crosses on my yard, the answer is not at all. I, I'm i white. I'm usually good to go with them. I mean, I guess I'm a race trader, but in general, I'm not the target of their uh, opprobrium. If you're asking about a broader question about whether or not we live in a country that has limited access for certain minority groups to the uh, participation in the political economy, uh, yeah, I probably have benefited. So there you go. Uh, T-Ball Paul asks, hey, Luke, what's a good stat to highlight defense? I'm working on a best defensive fighters video. Uh, these are a little bit case by case, but I think the best one in terms of the general stats, oops, wrong one, hang on. Sorry. Uh, I think in general, a good one or I should say among general stats is going to be strikes absorb per minute. to me that's a very good one. Um, that is going to be the kind of one that tells you about someone's longevity, about certain kinds of style proclivities uh, about um, again certain kinds of vulnerabilities that they may have like strikes absorb per minute among the more basic stat lines is a good one for a defensive stat. Thoughts on Gary versus Neil? Too soon for Gary, boy. They are. I got to tell you, love the smoke. I love, love the, love the uh, courage of Ian Gary coming off that D Rod win he, again. Shut my mouth, proved me wrong, um, and now he wants Jeff Neil. Boy, out of the frying pan into the fire. I mean, do I think it's too much? I mean, I am absolutely concerned that it could be, but I've been wrong about Ian Gary. And I, thought, I thought he was good, but I just didn't know if he was ready right away. But um, we're about to find out because Jeff Neal going to let us know real quick. Jeff Neal going to let us know real quick. So that's going to be a fun one. That's if I love that matchmaking, man. That's a really interesting. Luke, if Volk beats Yair and wants Islam again, do you think the UFC goes with Volk or Oliveira? Got OC sprayed earlier this chat. Helps with recovering. Um, Okay. To answer the, the question... So if Volk beats or they might do a fourth Max fight, right? They might, right? I mean, it seems like it's on the table, right? Um, it would probably come down to certainly availability, which one they could make more money from. Uh, would you really be impacting the featherweight division I mean, here's the problem, right? But this is the issue with with, with Featherweight. If he goes and fights um, Mokachev again, like fighting Yair is the interim champ versus the champion. So you're retiring that belt. If you don't, if you beat him and then you go and fight Makachev again, there's a chance if he gets injured, you have to reintroduce another interim belt. So maybe not. Maybe not for that reason. Cody says, good day, Luke. Coming, from, coming to you from Newcastle. Oklahoma, uh, just up the highway from Lawton. Oh, poor bastard! Anything within like a hundred mile proximity of Lawton is just not great. It's where my dad grew up. It's a terrible part of the country. My question is: At what age is it appropriate to let kids watch UFC MMA? You know what? I don't know. Oops, wrong one. Sorry. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. So I let my water. Uh, my water. I let my daughter watch occasional pieces here and there uh pretty minimal not not a whole lot Certainly nothing very bloody um but you know a little bit of wrestling i let her watch like I, there was some uh Saryuki and Gamrot scrambles i let her watch Thought they were funny you know um I don't really know the answer to that one I've seen kids get brought we saw you know Mackenzie Durham brought her kids they were crying Mark Coleman brought his kids when he fought Fedor and Pride in Vegas they were crying I on the one hand, I have seen kids in martial arts gyms, which is usually those programs start about five and up, get exposed to some jujitsu, and it's really no big deal. Fist fighting to me feels a little bit different. I would say you could probably do it at a relatively early age. I'm going to guess before 10, but it needs to be like slowly built up. Like from, you know, again, if they can practice the combat sport, I think that's pretty great. Um, you know, exposure to jujitsu, exposure to wrestling, exposure to some of these things. Maybe amateur MMA where people have headgear on, and you know, I mean, slowly kind of escalating. So these people have a sense of like, you know, hey, this is dangerous. This is something that takes a long time to get to. This is something that adults do, right? Because you have to be 18 in order, you know, you know what I mean? Like giving them a sense of progression and scale and that kind of and dimension, I think is really important. Um, but I don't really have a good answer on that one, unfortunately, for you. Uh, the only time... Okay, we got this one before. Here we go. What brought about the evolution of RSD to go from hotel room jokes and shenanigans to becoming one of the most watched professional segments on the channel? So we didn't... We ugh, It's complicated. The short answer is we wanted an interview series um, because the way our show works, we don't really have a lot of guests on our live show. And um, I don't like doing those interviews anyway. I don't like doing these Skype interviews. I do them because they are a function of necessity. But like... They're not very good. I don't feel like the audience gets much out of them. People know how to play the game on them. Like people are just saying shit. It's just not, they're just boring and uninteresting to me. You got to be in person, I think, is really the best way. And then, honestly, not just standing up where everyone's like, make them comfortable, quite literally, make them comfortable. Um, We wanted that. We wanted that. Um, That creates another set of problems because you have to get people into your studio, and that's not as easy as you might imagine. Um, But, that was, the, that was the impetus there, is that we wanted to have a vehicle to talk to people in a way that we thought would get a better interview than the ordinary one would be. We're not trying to compete with you know, Joe Rogan's MMA show or even what Ariel does, although he does some overlap with that. We just wanted something a little bit separate from that. Um, that so that's what it is. We just didn't have a more clever name for it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, that's it. That was really the best answer I can give you. Uh, have you seen the Colombian singer Fonseca live? Isn't Fonseca more of a band? I've seen Carlos Vives live. Um, I've seen uh, Jorge Celadon live. Uh, I think that's who it was. I definitely seen Carlos. Dude, Carlos Vives was a fucking ripoff. If you guys don't know who it is, Carlos Vives is like widely considered to be like the most famous Colombian male singer. He was actually on a soap opera, and then he played like a Vaginato singer, which is like a it's like their version of folk music a vaginato singer in a soap opera and then i think he actually became a vaginato singer after that like in real life he's the guy who has the lead song for "Encanto." you know colombia te quiero tanto. that song anyway that's him uh his concert was terrible terrible he couldn't or he didn't sing and so it he the the track would just play and then he would talk over it and be like all right i want this side of the audience to stand up it's like Bitch, these tickets were $150 a piece. I didn't come to a Zumba class, fuckface. You better start, you know, you better start being the uh, El Cantante here, my guy. And uh, you know, he didn't, or sorry, I shouldn't say being the El Cantante, being El Cantante. But you get what I'm saying. Like, I didn't I didn't pay for uh yoga, fella. All right. Uh, thank you for appearing on Hoshay. Uh, how was your experience with the boys? Yeah, I did a, I did that, uh, podcast with the Arab fellas, uh, the Palestinian boys out of, uh, Hoshay MMA. I guess they're based out of Dubai. Uh, it was great. I loved being on. I I told him I'd be on again and I meant it. I'd happily be on. Um, yeah. Count me in. Count me in as a fan of those guys. Big time. Uh, all right. Let's see what we got here. Anthony Pettis is doing a regional show across the street from my apartment in Richmond. I've been to a few UFCs, but this is my first regional event. Always heard you say they're fun. Dude, you're going to have a great time. My sister lives in Richmond. you guys want a tattoo place to go check out in Richmond, go check out my boys. They did this one. Go check out my boys at – you can check out uh, John Setzer over at Civilization Tattoo. Go check out John Setzer at Civilization Tattoo. He will do you up big. Check out – if you want to, guys, go train in town, go check out my guy, Seth Smith, over at Upstream BJJ. I think he's in – what section is he in? He's not down – he's close to downtown downtown maybe like jackson was it called jackson heights what's the name of that neighborhood i forget anyway um great training in richmond super affordable he's a ryan hall black belt couldn't say enough good things about it and go to that show tickets will be affordable you'll see people from your community you'll see people from the dc region for sure you'll see people from north carolina you'll get some fun fights you know you get some you know lower quality fights as well that's part of the gimmick but uh support regional mma couldn't curtain encourage you more to go and if you're new to Richmond, or you're just gonna go for the show there, anyone else who's watching this and you're looking for something to do out there, uh go check out Guar Bar, which is a bar that was opened and maintained, I say it's owned anyway, by the members of the band Guar, who are from Richmond. And if you never heard of Guar, look them up. They shoot blood on stage and they all wear masks and they're fucking amazing. Um yeah, go check them out. Guar bar, it's some of the best food I've had in a bar ever. Love it. Uh, what would a win over Pitbull do for Sergio's bantamweight resume, dude? If Sergio beats Kyoji Horiguchi, takes two years off, and comes back and beats Pitbull, those are like wins. I just don't think he would have gotten if he had stayed on his UFC trajectory. Like, I think he ended on a win, but he had like two losses before that, maybe even three, you know, in, in like a recent succession. That would be the most amazing thing for him to be able to do that. Those would be easily his two best wins. And he's only 29 years of age. Um, it would say a dramatic amount. Plus you're stopping someone from becoming the first guy in, in MMA history, a modern elite MMA to, to win three titles. Uh, it, it, it would be, I, I cannot overstate like the Horiguchi win, even though he's losing every minute of it up until he won was remarkable. You follow that up off of a, not a well, it wasn't a loss, but like off of a you know downtime basically for two years, injury time off, ring rust, and then you come back and you beat Pitbull. Get the fuck out of here! That would be amazing, amazing to see. If Demetrius Johnson at his best weight, athletic performance, and skill could time travel and participate in UFC One, how does he fare? He wins the whole thing, he wins the whole thing. There's not a doubt in my mind he wins that. 100 percent all right uh what would happen if the ultimate fighting championships decided to cut conor mcgregor from the roster well they never would because handing him over to the free market i mean you know the other promoters couldn't line up fast enough to sign him like there's just no way that they sign him and like the other promoters are like oh we also are so concerned about these allegations you know what I mean? Like they know the UFC knows that too. Like so, the UFC has to eat shit because they're going to keep him on roster and he's got all these issues swirling. But they'd rather eat that than just give him to the free market and then change. You know, you know how much money PFL would throw at Connor? Think about how much money they threw at Francis. What would they do? Dude, they would sell. They would sell part of the company to him Like they would do. They would do, and not just like PFL Africa for. Francis, like the entire PFL, he they would do they would do anything, and they know that the UFC knows that. So there's an absolutely zero chance he'd have to be accused of like he'd have to be accused of a crime or convicted of a crime so heinous that the UFC knew if they released him, no one would touch him with a ten foot pole. Just think about what that would have to be in order to be true. Just think about that. All right. Opinion on Chandler's fight IQ, I believe it is underrated. Example, risk controls versus Charles, wrestling versus Dustin, setting up hooker, blah, blah, blah. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, thanks, Alfredo. I appreciate it uh, about the dog. Um, Here's the thing I've said about Chandler's fight IQ, and I made this point. He actually made a video, I think, reacting to me talking about this. He's a skilled fighter. He's a very skilled fighter. He can do a lot if he wants to apply himself. There's been fights where he's had, you know, sort of a a rough-ish kind of go, or it didn't go exactly as smooth as he wanted to, like his fight against Goichi Yamauchi is a great example of this. Um, You know, he had to kind of grind it out a little bit, and I think the first fight against Benson Henderson was a similar, not the second one, but the first one was like that, you know. He had to kind of figure it out, and he's got the skills to do it. The question you have to, or the issue that he presents is that he's going to make a trade-off between maximum fight IQ. He's going to lower that a little bit, put himself in danger to maximizing popularity. Like there's a trade off there. And so that means he's probably going to lose some fights. He could win, but he's going to be much more popular for the way he wins. And he's still going to beat a lot of good people, good fighters along the way. That's the trade off he's making. So it's a slight trade off in win loss record for a major gain in some of the other areas. It works for him. It works for him very well. Uh, This gentleman asks, has Charles cleaned up his game somewhat? Yes. No more jumpy stuff. Yes. Better head movement. Yes. Got off the bottom sooner. Sort of. Yes. Sort of. Give me some hope for the rematch. Yes. Um, He still played the played the leg entanglement game, which did not. It's not. It's just not going to work on Darius. His jujitsu was too good, and it didn't really work on Islam either. He does these again. He does the the, the de la Hiva, the reverse de la Hiva for backside 50-50, all kinds of stuff he's looking for to kind of get in the way there. He makes it work because it's such a constant attack that, again, it forces these guys into these endless, you know, just Three Stooges routines of constantly trying to peel grips, step his high-step your feet out. He was hitting like a, almost like a Torriando pass to kind of get to the side a little bit there, uh, Darius was. So it just, it you know... I don't know how effective it is at like changing the game. It is against lesser guys, just not against the top guys. But in general, I think he's cleaning up, again, some of the dumb shit that just doesn't need to be there. doesn't serve any purpose and is frankly very costly against the very best ones. The issue with him and Islam is he has to have the right space at the right times. Islam is very good about being all the way out or all the way in, and he has to figure out a way to change that. And then last but not least... I don't say McGregor is guilty, but getting accused of the exact same things repeatedly is a bad look. Also, Charles shut Chale up. Chael is such a hater. What did Chale say? Did Chael say that Oliveira was going to lose? I guess he did. I don't know. Um, all right. I believe that is it for today. Hey, thanks, everyone. I really appreciate you participating. This was very fun, very cool. Um, thanks for the new subscribers. For anyone who signed up, thanks for the donations. I appreciate it. I promise to get this up immediately uh or i should say the bare minimum before i go to bed tonight um so thank you you're the best and um that's it for me for today if you got a question email me luke thomas at gmail.com i'm out of here for today thanks to othello and some of the folks who helped me behind the scenes i appreciate you as well we'll be back and until next time stay frosty shall we Ba